Hello, race fans, and welcome to another edition of the Pittsburgh Racing Now podcast. I am your host, Scott Stiller. Thanks for finding us. We hope everybody is safe and healthy. Coming up on this week's podcast, we're talking with local tracks about how they are dealing with restrictions related to the coronavirus pandemic. This weekend, most of Western Pennsylvania enters the green phase, but even under green, tracks are dealing with restrictions and race fans need to hear about how they can help the tracks. We're also talking NASCAR as they have returned to the track with races at Darlington, Charlotte, and Bristol. Before we get to the NASCAR weekend, we're going to start, though, with the local tracks, and we're going to talk both dirt and asphalt. Joining us on the Pittsburgh Racing Now podcast, Gary Heeman from Lernerville Speedway, the action track in Sarver, and we're waiting to get the green flag flying on all of the local racing here in western Pennsylvania. And Gary, I know it's been difficult for the track and everybody involved to navigate what has been just the strangest of springs. Yes, it sure has. Thank you, President. Thank you very much for having me, Scott. Really appreciate it. It's been a challenge. Um, you know, it's been a it's been a really <laughs> rough deal these last two months. And um, you know, just uh, thinking about all your listeners out there and what they might not, you know, truly think about is just the fact that you know a lot of us have worked there are big racing fans, and it hurts us not to be there. But basically. Yeah, it's just been a it's been a really rough deal right now. I mean, we've got we've got a lot of things to look out for. Um, we want to make sure that we're doing the right thing by opening the proper way, and that involves you know being concise with law enforcement and understood and understanding what they're asking of us, and being a good citizen or a good citizen within the community too. Um, we want to make racing look good. We want to be putting on you know our best show possible, but our safest show possible too. And that means having to adhere to, you know, whatever comes our way via the way of rulings from the governor. Have you gotten any guidance or has the track gotten any guidance from the state or any officials on what they're looking for when it's time to reopen or when they're going to allow you to have fans back in or uh, what kind of guidelines are the track using in formulating a plan to reopen? Well, basically, as we understand it now, I keep yet to understand that this this is a fluid situation, as I'm sure you can appreciate. Scott, it seems like it's changing every single day. Right now, um, we're trying to get clarity on what the green phase does mean, in fact, because there's uh, a few different interpretations going on right now, and we just have to figure out the the one that's you know has the most blessing and um, has a good chance of being approved by everybody. Basically, what it turns into for us is putting together, and we have most elements of this in place, and are you know shifting to meet any changing needs as we need to. But a good COVID nineteen plan um, that allows us to serve everybody in a safe manner, whether that's sanitizing stations, whether that's um, uh, thermometer scan checks for for all of our patrons at the track, whether they're in the pits or the grandstands. Um, we're exploring all the the avenues. We're taking a lot from the CDC guidelines, um, you know, and just kind of using some of that as a base and presenting a plan that we hope will work for us. You know, it's interesting. You guys were scheduled to start with just a couple of practice weekends when they shut it, when the, the state shut down. 
and right. you know the, the racers haven't even had a chance in some respects some of the guys haven't even had a chance to get their car on the track and shake them down yet and uh i know i was talking with the uh the guys over at uh ppms and they're just trying to get approval to to have a practice day and they said once they have the practice day that they want to use practice day as kind of a dry run for when they can eventually have fans and i would think that you know something like that uh, I, I think that's kind of like what nascar's doing right now with these couple of races at darlington and, and charlotte where it gives them a, a, an opportunity to test out the plan that they have in place and then kind of tweak it going forward and i would think that you know that's kind of all anybody's trying to do is this is what we want to do what do you guys think and would you adjust it and if so how this is the first one for any of us really we've had you know this is the first experience we've ever had with anything like this before. I mean, in this pandemic. So yeah, we want to make sure that our processes are, are concise and clear and easy to understand, easy to follow and easy to enforce. It's got to be all of those things or it's not what the state's going to be looking for. They want to see that you have a plan together um, that is in the best interest and the, with the greatest amount of, of safety in mind for everybody on that you know physical venue. And that means doing diligence, um, you know, and that means keeping contact with people, um, whether that's, um, you know, with, with the whole team, Eric Westendorf with Commissioner Boozle um, up in Butler County, um, you know, the kind of, uh, kind of commissioner that's been working with us, whether that's me reaching out to the state police barracks in Butler and saying, hey, talking to me about enforcement, what are your expectations and guidelines? And, you know, I mean, talking to um, <clears throat> the State Department of Health, too. On what guidelines they're interested in seeing and what we must do to satisfy their needs as well. Um, anybody that thinks they can just, you know, throw a couple of jugs of a hand sanitizer at the pick gate <clears throat> and, uh, you know, just kind of welcome everybody in and have them sit six feet apart. I mean, you know, there's a lot more that goes into it. Um, I think what's been helpful resource wise is that there are several great websites and um, several great um, racing marketing people and promotion people put together this in advance a lot of questions can be answered and have the basis and foundation for a good plan um dirt car for example a racing group has a good plan and a good um you know, website section there with you know reasonable expectations and frequently asked questions about what makes a good COVID plan so you have to use all of that in your toolbox and you know if you want to race it's got to be a, a like i said a system that's as, as healthy as possible that has the state's blessing and also something that you will be have to be able to enforce. That's the big thing. I mean, you look at a lot of tracks. Um, I don't want to say in the area because we have a lot of great tracks in the area. They have a lot of great, wonderful staffs that do a lot of great things. We're all into each other's tracks when we're not running, you know. And so I can say that about all the tracks in the area. But that means maybe some tracks don't have enough staff to, you know, to be able to, to scout those grandstands or, you know, keep check of, you know, all the temp logs coming back where you're running down all the temperatures of people coming in or things of that nature. I mean, it takes a lot of staff to do that too. And that's another consideration, you know, you have to formulate that in your plan as well. Yeah, no doubt about that. One of the things I think that would also be key is when you get the, the green light to have fans, the, the fans are going to need to follow the guidelines that the track sets and they're going to have to, you know, in some cases, they may need to put their own personal belief aside because it's not about what they believe. It's about 
the rules that the track has put in place to satisfy all of the uh, governmental entities that the track needs to satisfy in order to operate. And I think that's and that's going to be one of the key things going forward as well. That's correct. And you, you really want it to be something that, that, that's got the blessing of everybody that you're working with, including the state. I mean, you know, you, you think about what a trash liabilities are or what the potential liabilities could be if they didn't get it right. That could be a, a revoking of a license, uh, a business permit, um, even further fines and penalties if you get it wrong. Well, nobody wants to get any of those. You know, I mean, you know, racetracks, generally speaking, are are run, you know, not as a as a substantial cash making entity, but a lot of times it's a labor of love. You know that as well as I do, Scott. You know, I mean, it's it's one of these things where you know it really would be a hard thing to come back from if there were substantial fines or you know having to get a a liquor license or a business permit back. You know. Yeah, no doubt about it. Let's face facts. Nobody that owns a racetrack or runs a racetrack around here is getting rich off it. It's they're involved in it for the passion of the sport. So, yeah, I was talking with a couple of guys, and and there was a guy who said, well, you know, I, 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 I don't need a face mask. And I said, hey, if it means me getting into whatever particular venue it is or whether it's a restaurant or an event, if they tell me, hey, you need to sanitize your hands. You need to have a temperature scan. You need to sign a waiver, and you need to have a face mask. I've got no problem with it if it's something that I want to do, and if that's what they want me to do. Exactly. I mean, it's just it's one of those things where if your your passion for racing is as strong as as everybody you know likes to believe there is, that yeah, those are the things that you have to do to enjoy racing right now in this place and time. I mean, now maybe that'll get easement later on as we get you know further down the line with this in a few months who knows you know if that shifts a little bit one way or the other um you know where it eases up a little bit i don't know i don't have a magic uh, you know magic eight ball in front of me right now so i can't really uh you know forecast out that part of dance but i would like to think at some point you know it does ease up and we can easily start to, to piece things back into a a more normal frame i would love to believe that and hopefully that's what's heading down the pipeline but for the meantime i mean we, we all want to be able to salvage some type of meaningful season where we can at least get eight, nine, 10, 12 weekly shows in if it's possible. And some of the specials that we all know our fans love and enjoy. I mean, every track's got them. The things that we do every year, whether that's the Pittsburgh 100 at, at PPMS, the Firecracker 100, the, the Don Martin Silver Cup at Louisville, um, or the Lou Blaney Memorial over at Sharon, you know, these are events that, you know, you really count on to have a, a good fiscal year to keep the racing rolling. And, you know, those are the things that, you know, we may be having to look at. Say, hey, look, we can put these things on, but we're going to have to pay attention to the grandstands, how close we're sitting together. We're going to have to pay attention maybe to how close our haulers are parked next to each other. And we're going to have to, you know, even get down to, you know, even fine point details about setting up a, a microphone stand in Victory Lane and having several different, you know, wireless mics for post-lane, you know, for, for post-race Victory Lane interviews after the race. You know, that we can sanitize like three or four different mics and just put one up there after a feature. It I mean, all that sort of stuff has to go into it to, to make it make it a, a success. But um, yeah, the, the fans are going to have to be willing to to do what we need them to do to stay within the, you know, the good graces of whoever we're having to get the final submission from at this time. Now, you touched on a couple of the big events 
in the area, and you guys have had to postpone one of the big events already. Tony Stewart's All-Star Circuits of Champions were supposed to be at Lernerville beginning of May, and then you pushed it back to the the rain date, so to speak, and of course, that had to be scrubbed as well. Both you guys and Port Royal lost out on that. And are you guys looking to reschedule that later in the year? Um, as of right now, I mean, the the, uh, the door's not shut on that at all. Um, it's just a, a question. I think a lot of sanctions right now are just taking it bit by bit. If you look at the things that Will of Outlaws have done, both on the late model side and on the wing, the wing sprint side, and um, at USAC as well, and the other you know, regional smaller sanctions as well. Scott, I think we're just we're taking the, the schedules that we had and we're not crumpling them all up and throwing them in the trash, but we're kind of making them up as we go along now. Where, you know, we look at maybe a, a four or six week stretch of time and look at the places that we can race and focus on those and then take, you know, the races that have um, a dedicated rescheduled date and try to move them in as their states allow them to, to happen. So, you know, I, I think the biggest challenge for us right now um, and getting any of that moving is probably just to, to really to know and understand um, the green phase limitations. And that's where we're at right now, just making sure that, that we know that, yes, we can have fans, but how many fans, or no, we can't have any fans, or we can't have this many people on the property, um, or can we operate at 50% capacity if we're an entertainment venue? Those are the things we're trying to find out right now as we speak. And we spend you know, every second out of our normal, you know, nine to five jobs because most everybody that works at Learnville, of course, we, you know, we have yeah, <clears throat> the one, excuse me, the one non-racing gig that we have to go to to pay the bills in, in order to to have our, our wonderful side gig at Learnville Speedway. So every time we're not in our full time jobs, we're constantly scanning for information to to see and emailing people to see you know what will be permissible in the upcoming green phase. Um, that's a uh, Probably going to be you know one of the biggest keys to to what we need to look at going forward in racing this year, and you know after that just kind of a case of you know seeing then next where the national sanctions will have dates that can fill in potentially. Would you guys run without fans if the state would let you? Right now, I can't say one way or the other. I know this much, and I'll you know I I, I would definitely say that it would be heartbreaking to even think about having to run without fans. Um, learners of the family. Um, it truthfully is. And, you know, this is where we come see each other every Friday night and, and, you know, start our weekends off with our friends that we see every week. Um, you know, that, that would be hard to conceive of trying to race without it. I'm sure almost every track out there, Scott is looking to see if that's a, a possibility at the same time just to keep some cash flow coming into the um, establishments. A lot of tracks are doing it right now um, in Ohio, for instance, several of them in West Virginia, even and even in Pennsylvania. I mean, it's been considered where you know, they get a pay-per-view um, channel going or a pay-per-view, just a single night broadcast agreement. And, you know, whatever, whatever money comes in, whatever revenue stream comes in from that night pays a, a percentage of the purse. And then you kind of, take the show and, you know, mold it so where it's personally to whatever the revenue is coming through there. Because, you know, you think about it like this, it's a hard thing to do. It's not impossible, but it's a hard thing to do. You really don't know how many people are going to be in on the buy, pay-per-view-wise, so to speak. Yeah. And then you're also cutting off, um, you know, your concession stand sales, which a lot of times will put you, you know, to a certain point, financially speaking, in a particular night, um, maybe not make you or break you. 
but definitely it's an important factor. I mean, you know, if you've got less, you've got no fans in the place, you've got none of the side revenues that help me make racing happen that helps uh, the sport pay for itself. You know, whether that's t-shirt sales of vendors to um, all the uh, booths on the concourse. Um, and of course the hot dogs and fries and the, the wonderful fish sandwiches and the Marburger, <laughs> Marburger premium or the Marburger iced tea rather from Marburger farm dairy. You know, it, all that stuff factors into the equation and, uh, you know, allowing you to be able to race week after week. And then you yeah, have to consider your sponsors as well. You know, I mean, you know, if you're not about fans, can you still, you know, you'll still get some sponsor, you know, viewership because of, you know, your billboards and your advertising be all over the place. You know, it's a question sometimes of saying, well, can we cut 30 second commercials for our individual track sponsors as well? You know, it's, it's really kind of forced everybody to think outside the box with the pay-per-view thing. And then there's one more thing to consider with that also, Scott, when I talk about that, is that if you'd have asked me a month ago, if you do without pay-per-view and pay for a show, it's yes. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the first speed shift um, pay-per-view back in, um, in April, I believe, with Park Jefferson, yeah, you could have paid for like three or four nights of racing with that, <laughs> with that pay-per-view probably. Now you're looking at a dilution of that. Yeah. Um, in other words, more, more tracks are not that, that money, that revenue pot's being spread thinner and thinner the more tracks that do this. If you thought you were going to get three, four, five, six thousand views off of a pay per view, you know, a month ago, what do you really expect to get right now if you do that? So there's a lot of questions that, that need to be answered and a lot of clarity needs to, to come, you know, to the forefront there. But one thing's for sure. Um, I don't know. Um, if pay-per-view would be an answer or running without fans would be an answer, level, I'd like to think that we would have our fans there, though. I mean, I'll be honest with you, it, it is a family. No doubt about it. And, you know, one of the nice things about Lernerville is is that you have enough grandstand that you can at least space people out a little bit there. And with the way, with what you guys did with the, uh, with the pits and the garages, you got plenty of room for the trailers and all that. So... Uh, I think in in that respect, you guys, I think would be good if the state would give you the green light. Oh, for sure, I think so. I mean, if um if if we classify as an entertainment uh, venue and we're half capacity, um, I think there's more than enough space there to to stretch it out and make it a a very you know, much safer show than you might have. You know, as we've seen at some of these places last week, where you know they opened up kind of against you know the will of you know, the current government and they were really kind of picking like sardines without masks in a few places. I won't name the tracks. I don't think anything around here actually, but, um, a couple down south, I, I had noticed where, you know, their, their stands were packed like sardines are sitting next to each other and hardly anybody has a mask on. You know, you have to realize one thing that photo gets taken. It gets shopped around everywhere. And all of a sudden, you know, people that don't understand racing are now looking in on the situation. Like, oh, so that's what racers are really doing. And now you've got another problem. Yeah. Great point. Great point. I think, you know, I got, I got a tip, tip of the hat to NASCAR for how they're doing it. And granted they, because of the big behemoth, they can do it. And, and they're, they're, uh, as far as money wise, it's not really hurting them running without fans because they get so much TV revenue. But, sure. uh, you know, at least, you know, and all the video that I've seen over the past four or five days and, and last week at Darlington, you saw guys with masks. You didn't see guys. You didn't see groups of people hanging out together. You know, people went in. They did their job. They went about their business. And it seems like they uh, they didn't have any problems. 
And I think that's really all the local tracks want are, you know, this is our set of parameters. This is what we need to do. We want our race fans to follow it. So once we get the okay, we can do this for the rest of the summer. Right. And in the dirt vein, I mean, I've got to my head to them, to a racing group. If you've watched any of their, their broadcast on dirt vision from the early parts of the season, they've been able to run a few shows now. Um, they've done it the right way completely, um, you know, with regards to the way things were handled with the media, with drivers and interviews and things like that. And um, making sure that everybody had masks on, masks on and they were you know, keeping good social distancing. Um, that's the example that, that they you know, wanted to, to set forth and say, hey, this is the way we're going to do it. This is the way we recommend you all do it. Um, and they, to this point, and there's no reason to think it won't continue this way. They've been doing a tremendous job and they've been a good example to follow. Yeah, without a doubt. I, I watched uh, Larson pick up the win last week. and uh, Yeah, how about that? <laughs> yeah, how about that? And Yeah. And you know, that takes me, it actually kicks something into my head that I've been meaning to ask you about. How awesome is it that Lernerville is on iRacing? I think it's tremendous. Um, you know, that's a, that was an early season surprise. <laughs> you know, that um this would happen. It's not the way that we wanted it to happen. Certainly nobody could ever wish COVID-19 um, pandemic on anybody. But I mean, one of the, one of the parts that fell out of that was, you know, I racing got some screen time. That means that also, you know, learned a lot of your I racing got some screen time, which has um, been a good thing. Um, we love it. Uh, we hope the fans that do have the rig and the setup and play it, they enjoy playing it. Watch turn two, because, you know, you turn two, you're, you're likely to, to go in there with too much momentum and slide off the top. <laughs> just, like, just like everybody goes to have four Friday. Yes, it's, <laughs> it's the one track most people say, I still don't get turned to it. I was like, you're not alone. Most of us don't. I've done it in my own personal car maybe once and try that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> At the same time, um, no, it's um, it, it, the the way the uh, imagery comes out in my racing, it's just, it, it can't be beat. I mean, that's, you know, I am still amazed how sharp that is and how, you know, wonderful that race is, how real the attitudes of the cars on the track. Um, that's exactly how a fan for Friday looks. And when they're all out there, um, you know, sliding each other and, and going three and four wide. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a spitting image of her. And, um, we love the fact that it came out so well and we couldn't be more pleased with that. It's a, it's a marketing tool. I mean, you know, drivers are going to see that and they're going to, if they, you know, want to take a little racing vacation, they might be more encouraged to head on out to Learnable and, and see what we're all about. So yeah, it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, no doubt about it. And the place looks great. I did. Uh, I got some. Uh, I did get some video from iRacing of uh, some screen caps that they sent, uh, and it 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 just it looked phenomenal. I actually shot a uh, one of the screen caps off to my bosses at the radio station because it was a 410 car right at the Y108 billboard. <laughs> so I said, <laughs> check out the virtual advertising you guys are getting perpetually now. So they loved yeah, it. How for, yeah, how fortuitous. That was great. I mean, yeah. and the sponsors, they all came out clear as a bell, too. I mean, that's the, yeah, the exact same razor-sharp image of the logo. So that turned out really well. Uh, really, really can't say enough uh, great things about them. Well, hopefully we'll be looking at those billboards in a couple of weeks. If we get the green light if uh, if Wolf gives this area the green light going into the, I guess it would be the first Friday in June, would that be opening night, or what would the game plan be going forward? Um, the game plan would basically be as soon as um, our 
probably our State Department of Health and the liaisons there, and the governor all agree that it's ready to go, and you know we have everybody's blessing. Um, it's just, and we think that's probably, it's probably doable right now um, because I believe the governor did, the governor did say that um, you know, auto racing is allowed with you know in the green phase with 250 people on site. Therein lies the problem, and that's going to set you know probably a, a decision one way or the other on how we're going to be able to attack this. You know, it's probably just um, you know, understanding what the green phase really means with the um, the amount of spectators in the sand. Um, once we know of that, have that, and we've got a plan submitted, um, it's a case of getting out there and, and getting on the track. Well, when you guys know what the word is, you let us know. We'll help spread the word, and we're definitely looking forward to uh, heading up to Route 356 in Sarver and enjoying some racing. Absolutely. We can't wait to see you guys there. We, uh, we love the relationship with Intercom. It's been a great um you guys have been tremendous. Um, yourself and, and Pittsburgh Racing now, and um, you know all the guys. Um, we look forward to seeing you guys, and we couldn't be more appreciative of the support, Scott. Well, hey, we appreciate uh, you guys. We appreciate uh, heading up there on Friday nights, and you know, getting some some of those midweek shows in over the summer to help break up the monotony of the work week. So uh, hopefully, we'll get a return to normalcy here in the next couple of weeks, and we can enjoy our Friday nights up at Lernerville. Absolutely. We're, we're looking forward to it. Our fingers are crossed. And, and trust me, nobody nobody wants us to be back more than us. I mean, we're like I said, we're, we're all fans of this. We all love watching it. We all love being there. Even though we you know we work there, we still you know, love to, to serve the sport, serve our fans, serve our drivers, um, the best possible night of entertainment um, in the area. And we feel like we do that. And we, uh, we can't wait to, to serve up another edition as soon as we possibly can. Hey, Gary, thanks for taking time out and coming on the Pittsburgh Racing Now podcast. Scott, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. We will have the latest information on Lernerville's plans on pittsburghracingnow.com, so make sure you check the website daily. COVID-19, better known as coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. There are a few ways to help lower the spread of this respiratory disease. Wash your hands. Avoid touching your face, including mouth, nose, and eyes. Cover your coughs and sneezes. Monitor your symptoms and consult with your doctor. Stay at home and away from other sick people except for medical care. Clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces. For more information, please visit cdc.gov forward slash COVID-19. Thank you. Shifting from dirt to asphalt, Jennerstown is gearing up to drop the green flag on 2020, but getting to this point has taken a lot of work. Joining us on the Pittsburgh Racing Now podcast, Bill Rybar, General Manager of Jennerstown Speedway. And Bill, it's been a difficult start to the year for all of the local tracks. Walk us through what you guys have experienced when the shutdown started and kind of where you guys are at today in the hopes of, uh, you know, eventually being able to drop a green flag. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's been one of those deals that uh, we could go on for days and it's been such a back and forth situation. Uh, you know, there's been very little leadership coming out of Harrisburg, very little guidance and the little bit we're getting, there's very little transparency. So the first six weeks, so to speak, uh, we knew very little. We knew anything. Thank God we we're very lucky in the Jennerstown Speedway Complex community. We have uh, Representative Carl Metzger uh, who's been very proactive that has returned phone calls and, and told us as much as he could, as well as Senator Pat Stefano, who also has been very proactive and supportive of the Speedway. But unfortunately, 
these gentlemen who are working in Harrisburg every day are getting their information about the same time we are. Uh, so it's been very frustrating from uh, the facility standpoint, as well as all the businesses in the local communities, as what color means what, what are you allowed to do, what can't you do? Oh, we're going to change the regulations two days later. Oh, we're going to do this. Nobody knows what the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. So it's been a real, real struggle. Um, we finally feel that things can be conducted in a safe manner, especially in the Somerset County region and its surrounding areas. I mean, Somerset County has been, at, I believe, 27 cases for about the last four weeks. Uh, and we're still not in a green state because of the criteria established from the Department of Health and so on and so forth. So it's, it's been very frustrating, it's the word to use, uh, for not just the Speedway, but all local businesses. You know, everybody's trying to do their part to keep the members of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania as safe as we can while still having some kind of livelihood. So it's been very tough. So when you are, when you're trying to navigate these waters and it's such an ever fluid changing situation, it's difficult to develop a plan. And from what I've heard from some of the other tracks and some of the other sports teams in the area is that in order to conduct business, you have to submit a plan. So walk us through your COVID-19 plan and uh, you know what you guys will have to do in order to get back up in operation. Well, one thing we're very thankful of, uh, Robert Johnson, who is a member of the United States Motorsports Association, they've actually put a lot out for speedways and other facilities to have that proactive approach to develop that COVID-19 response plan. And what we did at Jennerstown Speedway, uh, we took a lot of the templates they had. I looked at a lot of the stuff that the CDC and the federal guidelines were because we were not getting any guidance whatsoever from the state. Um, you called the people that should be providing the answers and they couldn't provide the answers and they shared the same frustration. So it all goes to the top of the board coming out of the governor's office and department of health. So, you know, the people that you are supposed to call to get that direction can't provide it. So thank God the United States Motorsports Association, uh, who is across the country has seen what has worked in other facilities in other States provided some really nice templates for us to follow. We took those templates, and we expanded upon them. We made them more rigorous than what they recommended. So it seems like we're taking the proactive approach to be a little more demanding than the bare minimum, hoping that'll meet the criteria that is required by the state, the Department of Health, and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, unfortunately, you look at something like Ceiling Grove Speedway, who receives approval by the DCED on one day, and then two days later gets shut down by the governor's office. So it is so frustrating it's very difficult to put your finger on this and understand well why is it good enough for the people that are supposed to approve it and then get vetoed later on uh what we decided to do at the speedway we actually created a three-step plan the first step was private track rentals uh, where teams could rent the facility maximum of four cars parked very far apart mass required you know, just dipping your toe in the water type thing, very limited, less than 15 personnel completely at the track. Uh, and then we were able to expand to phase two, which was larger practice sessions limited to 50% capacity of the pits. Every car had to be pitted one stall apart unless they were direct family members. Uh, we actually exercised that on May 23rd and again on May 30th. And ironically, or coincidentally, is probably the better word, the rules 
permitting racetracks to actually conduct those practices changed on May 22nd. So we were kind of aiming for a target that wasn't there. And then the target came into, you know, we landed right on it. We hit a bullseye, so to speak. So uh, phase three is the actual reopening of the speedway, uh, which we have all intentions to do so on Saturday, June 6th. Um, God only knows what's going to change between this interview and then as far as what we can and can't do. But, you know, it's like anything. This speedway was created in 1923. It survived World War II. It survived the Great Depression. It, surpri- it actually was closed for a while and actually came back after the housing crisis in 2008. Um, it's not going to be defeated by a pandemic that is crippling the economy. So, you know, we're going to do everything as safely possible. There will be capacity limits. There will be seating arrangement limits as far as social distancing. Um, mask, we'll, you have to have a mask to get in, and then it's probably going to be most likely recommended to have on when you're not around someone. When you're around someone, as far as the concessionary, you'll have to have the mask. We're actually going to take uh, temple temperatures as you're coming in. Uh, anybody with, I believe it's 100.4 or higher, will not be permitted into the speedway. And, you know, I'm sure you've all seen in the papers and you've read on the news, that, well, that's a HIPAA violation. No, it's not. This is a private property, private entity. Uh, we have the right to refuse anybody at any time. And we don't want to do that, but we have to do that in the interest of public safety. So we're hoping that our plan is a plan or a model that can be utilized by other facilities, not just racetracks, smaller sporting events, baseball stadiums, things like that. So we're trying to be as proactive as we can. Um, it, it's really hard to get answers in things, so we're going to take the initiative to move forward on our own. You touched on something there, Bill, that when I was talking with a couple of the other track promoters here, that uh, one of the things they're most concerned about is that race fans understand that when the track puts the parameters in for attendance, race fans have to stick to it. And really what it comes down to is you get a lot of debate from people over whether or not the mask is effective. And some people, I don't want to wear the mask. And you hear all the whining and all the bitching, moaning, and complaining. And what it comes down to is you guys own the Speedway. You're the host. And in order to participate, folks need to play by your rules. If they don't, turn around and go home because... It's about being able to open and keep it open for the rest of the summer so we can enjoy this in July, August, and September. That is 100% accurate. And, you know, it it sounds forceful in the way we're saying it. It's not trying to tell somebody how to live their life. We're not trying to violate their constitutional rights, as I personally feel some are. But this is what we are facing this, I'm not going to say it's the new norm because I personally will not accept this as the new norm, but at this given time in the state of Pennsylvania under this governor, this is what we're faced with. Um, it's very frustrating. I mean, I could do a whole personal interview about how I feel and I, a lot of people may not agree with me, but you know, it, it's terrible. I mean, it's, it's going to be 90 degrees and people are going to be asked to wear masks. They're going to be asked to sit six feet apart. It's the concession lines may take a little longer. It's we're all in this together, folks. If you truly love the sport and you want to see us progress, and as you said, make this last through September, October, however long it needs to be, we have to work together. Um, 
I'm right there with you. And I'm one of those people that don't want to follow some of these guidelines. But that's the nature of the beast. Those are the cards we're dealt. And if we're going to be able to move forward, you know, there's a lot of eyes watching this. And they might look at this and say, wow, they really had their program together. They took the right initiative. And we're going to use this as an example. There's other racetracks not following those guidelines and things like that. And they're getting shut down. We don't want that to be us. So um, we need everybody's help, everyone's assistance work together on this, set an example for not just this state. I mean, things. you think things are bad in Pennsylvania? Call some of the tracks up in New York. Call some of the tracks in Connecticut. It's terrible. They may not see a car on the track the entire season. So it's, it's troubling times. We have to put our emotions, check them at the door, so to speak. We've got to do what's right so that we can uh, continue to proceed. I look at it as just like the rule book. You're, nobody likes flipping through the rule book and seeing different rules and regulations. It's, you know, race car drivers and people like that, they operate in the gray areas where there cannot be any gray area in this right now. It's just, this is the hand we're dealt. These are the rules we have to play by. So let's get it handled so we can move this ball forward. Absolutely. Couldn't say it better myself. The hope is on the 6th for you guys to reopen. So for folks that are interested, whether it be competitors, fans, whoever, they want to find out the information that they need to know, uh, where will they be able to find it and how will you be communicating that out to everybody? So for the most up-to-date and current information, we encourage everybody to check out our website at jennerstown.org. We will make uh, social media on Facebook and Twitter posts that will link you in that direction to the website. Uh, we do encourage everyone, as far as the drivers and the fans, to please read through that. I don't want anyone to show up and you know not be able to come in because they don't meet the requirements or criteria. But you know this is what we have to deal with right now. Um, it is such a fluid and evolving situation. You know, one announcement could look good, and the next day they change their mind. So please stay up to date on this information. I want to mention this. Uh, you know, we ran a practice last week on the twenty third, and we had about. 40, nah, 33 drivers in the pit. Uh, so it was limited to less than half capacity. And it's just a total different feeling in the speedway. Um, there's a lot more of a humbling experience. I think guys realize how close they were to maybe losing something they love. And we're trying to get everything back on track, no pun intended. So hopefully the fans can understand and, and, and share that same humbling sentiment as far as you know, we're in this together. We got to make this work together. Um, please stay posted to that information as it can change up and down. Um, but, you know, all systems are a go for Gen 6. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say we're going to defy any orders or whatever. But as you mentioned before, we will, you know, exploit the gray areas if we have to. That's what they're there for. Would you guys be open to running without fans in the stands or is that cost prohibitive? Unfortunately, that's just cost prohibitive. It's it just the way our business model is structured, the way our facility is for the size of the purses that we pay our competitors, which is much more sizable than most racetracks in the region. It's just not affordable. I mean, uh, you know, we get a lot of people say, well, let's just put cars on. It, it's not that easy, folks. I really, really wish we could. Um, but it, it to make our sponsors satisfied, to do our agreements with our sponsors, and to literally keep the lights on at the Speedway, we have to have fans in the stands. And, you know, one other thing, I'm reading a lot on the internet, um, not just our track, other tracks, and, you know, a lot of criticism from people about safety, and I don't feel safe, you know. Everybody 
is open to make their own interpretation as to whether they feel they will be safe in any environment. You know, when you went to Lowe's three weeks ago, they're counting how many people were in there and limiting. I went to Lowe's two days ago. There's no longer anyone counting how many people were going in there. Uh, you know, you weren't allowed in without a mask. I seen five or six people without masks. I still had one on. So no matter where we go or how we do this, there's going to be people that don't feel we're doing enough. There's going to be people feeling that we're doing too much. And everybody has to make that decision for themselves based on the evolving situation with the COVID-19 pandemic as to whether they feel they are safe with what is going to be done. And, you know, if, if they're not comfortable, if they have a pre-existing condition, if they feel there's a risk that they could be exposed, then we ask them to please stay home. You know, keep not just their safety, but the safety of everybody else together. Um, I'm a big believer that I'd love to see a shift in this whole uh, regimen here that, you know, let's shelter those at risk in place and let everyone else go back to work. So I, I shouldn't really put my personal input in there, but that's kind of how we feel the Speedway as well. If, if you don't feel safe, if you feel yourself is at risk, Please stay home. Take a week off till you feel better. Then come back to the speedway when you feel you can. You know, you hit on something there. It's just uh, apply a little common sense to this. If if you're immunocompromised or if you do have an underlying health condition, then you're the type of person that maybe needs to kind of abide by the caution flag for now. And if you're uh, the typical person who's in, in good health, then, you know, you can make that decision what you want to do. And when you make that decision, you just have to play by the rules of the prospective person or entity uh, that you're uh, patronizing. So I, I think you bring some good common sense to that. And you touched on something else about, you know, the the last six weeks, eight weeks, whether it be competitors or race fans, we've been dealt a very sobering reminder of what it's like without our sport. It really is. And, you know, taking it from someone that has raced to, you know, is involved in racing, cars that, you know, I have, I'm very fortunate. I have another full-time job, but at the same time, I'm not eligible for unemployment. If something would happen at the speedway, I'm a full-time school teacher. My job could possibly be in jeopardy in the fall because of what's going on in the state. The owners of the speedway have their own other businesses. So, you know, people don't always look at through the lens that this does impact about 60 part-time employees. A lot of them are summer work for uh, kids that, you know, it's their only chance to make any kind of money going the summer. So financially, economically, you know, things don't exactly apply to the speedway as they do a lot of other businesses. You know, some businesses are applying for payroll protection. Some businesses, you know, nobody's going to come in and continue to pay our bills. You know, we're not getting any assistance from the state. They're not going to come in and say, Hey, don't pay your $30,000 worth of taxes this year. You know, we have, 16 nights to try to attempt to operate and keep the speedway surviving. And we've already lost two of which. So, you know, God willing, mother nature cooperates and we can go full bore here out, but it, it's very difficult. And then you're trying to work with traveling series, and things like that with their schedules that are, you know, faced with the same pandemic across several different States rather than just Pennsylvania. Yeah. You bring up a good point. And, and let's face facts. There's not a track owner in this area in western pennsylvania in the extended tri-state area that is in the racing business to make money it's it's not a money-making entity it's about having the passion for the sport absolutely and, and you know, we are so lucky with the three owners of john morocco larry hammerger and richard paul that 
they are passionate about this. But at the end of the day, if the speedway is not self-sufficient, you know, it has to be able to produce and be able to take care of itself. And nobody, I can guarantee you, nobody is getting rich operating a speedway anywhere. It just isn't. They're doing it out of the labor of love. The drivers are doing out of the labor of love. Yeah, the the quickest way to make a million dollars in racing is to start with $2 million because you're going to lose it. Um, But, you know, it's our playground. It's what we want to do. And, you know, our heart and soul are into it. So we just need some cooperation and a little bit of help from the local government. You know, everybody says all the time, oh, you know, call your local representative, call your local senator. Folks, that makes a huge difference. We had our drivers and their families calling for six, seven weeks. And there's the, the people actually starting to get annoyed. Well, guess what? If you pay attention to what's going on in the House of Representatives, some of them are starting to vote a different way that is benefiting us because they realize we are the constituents. We are the ones that they represent us. So we really need those people to keep calling, make those phone calls, you know, keep supporting your track and your local businesses. You know, the mom and pop places are really suffering just like the racetracks. Yeah, you bring up a good point. Support local, buy local, do what you can to help your friends and your neighbors and their families right now. And hopefully it's a trend that will continue once all this is over because without our local mom and pop and our neighbors' businesses, really, where are we as a country? Completely, completely agreed. You know, these local mom and pop places are my sponsors. They're the ones that you know, right now things are tight and we're working with everything we can and hopefully they can give what they can when they can. But, you know, we're doing our best just with everybody. Um, it's unprecedented time and hopefully we get a little more support out of Harrisburg and realize let's let these people go back to work. Great point. When you guys finally get back to work, uh, let the race fans that listen to the podcast every week know what your weekly show is and some of the things that you have on the horizon for the 2020 season. Well, our weekly show consists of five divisions. Uh, we are a .522 Asphalt Oval located in Somerset County, Jennerstown, PA. We run the Martellus Pharmacy Crate Late Models, which is part of the rust sanctioning body. Uh, you know, the momentum building up to this year has been insane. We actually have about 22, possibly a 23rd late model registered for the season, which is unheard of in asphalt short track racing, especially in our region. Uh, we anticipate, we participate, uh, we anticipate between 15 and 18 weekly, depending on people's work schedules and things like that. Uh, our second division is our Stoystown Auto Wrecker Modified Division, uh, which continues to grow. We're getting so many dirt converts that are coming over to asphalt. I think Doug Lesson has won six or seven championships in his life in different dirt tracks and different divisions, and he'll be piloting a modified this year. We run the Ron Collision Center Street Stock Division. We have the Farmers Union Co-op Charger Division, which is a V8 uh, automatic car. And then we also have a Somerset Trust Company Fast and Furious four-cylinder. So we run a five-division weekly show. Uh, We have some really big events planned for this year. Hopefully, actually, later today, we'll be able to make a major announcement in regards to the Will and Modified Tour, which was coming back for, I think it was about 13, 14 years since they last been there. They were actually supposed to race on Memorial Day weekend, and unfortunately, because of the governor's reign, uh, we had to postpone that event. We didn't cancel it. It's been postponed. Uh, we're hoping to be able to announce that date for later in the season real, real soon. Uh, July 4th, we're going to have the largest super late model race in the country. Jack McNally, who's the president and CEO of the Cars Racing Tour, which is primarily based out of down south, 
We'll be running a multi-sanctioned event with the Southern Super Series, JEG CRA Series. $20,000 to win to the winner of that race. Uh, July 4th weekend, some of the top asphalt late model drivers in the country, including Bubba Pollard, Josh Brock, and many, many others are expected to be there. I mean, it, it's just crazy what the, the buzz in the racing community for that July 4th event will be. Uh, July 25th, we have a little bit different type of motorsports going on. We will have the All-Star Monster Truck Tour returning to the Speedway in 2019. This is a sellout capacity crowd. So we're really hoping that by July, everything will be opened up for full capacity to once again bring those trucks in. Uh, August 8th, I believe it is, that weekend will be the third annual Moto Mountain Masters, which is a $10,000 to win pro late model race. Last year, it was the top seven car count for a pro late model race in the continental United States and Canada. Uh, that race had 38 cars. As of this date right now, I already have 30 cars pre-entered for that race. So we cannot wait for the Motor Mountain Masters here again in 2020. And then the Super Cup Stock Car Series will coming back on two occasions. I believe it's July 11th and August 22nd. And then our last real big show of the year is the Musty Racing Sprint Cars in September. They are 410 sprint cars on asphalt. What a show. Really, really fast. So if you're a dirt lover and you like dirt sprint cars, you want to come watch these bad boys on asphalt. But as I mentioned, uh, we have a really, really big announcement coming very, very soon on the Will and Modified Tour uh, for the date that uh, they will be returning to the Speedway. When we find out what's going on with the Wheel and Modified Tour, let us know. We'll uh, put that out on our website and spread the word. We really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule, Bill. And uh, we're, uh, along with everybody else, we're hoping that we can get back to a sense of normalcy and we can come up to the track, enjoy some racing and some asphalt racing. And, uh, you know, we need to get out. Once we're able to go racing, we need all the race fans to support all the local tracks so they can start to recover, just like all the local businesses. Absolutely. You know, a lot of people's vacation plans got interrupted this year. You, know, you might not be able to go to the beach. You might not be able to go to the mountains, wherever. Take that money, stick it in your pocket, and go to a couple different racetracks this year. Make many vacations. Go to somewhere you've never been before. If you've never been to Jennerstown, go to Jennerstown. Erie, Lake Erie Speedway, AJ Moore up there has some big shows this year. Go visit them. Go visit Latro. I, I, you know, we're all in the motorsports community. I don't care if that track races the same night as me. Continue supporting local grassroots racing. If we want it to be here for generations to come. Couldn't have said it better myself. Bill Rybar, General Manager of Jennerstown Speedway, thanks for joining us today on the Pittsburgh Racing Now podcast. Thank you so much for having me. We will keep you posted on Jennerstown's plans on pittsburghracingnow.com. Make sure you bookmark the site. That'll make it easy for you to get the latest information. We also talked to the Miley's at Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway. They have submitted a COVID-19 plan to the Pennsylvania Health Department and are awaiting approval. So once we know what's happening over at PPMS, we'll pass that along. Tracks in the middle of state have reopened, so check the website. Lou Long has recaps from Lincoln and Sealands Grove Speedways. We are super excited to have Lou on the Pittsburgh Racing Now staff. NASCAR is back running multiple races at Darlington and Charlotte. Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin picked up the wins at Darlington. Hamlin's win at Darlington was a crazy race that saw Kyle Busch make an uncharacteristic mistake 
clipping Chase Elliott trying to squeeze into the high line. That sent the number nine Napa Chevy into the inside wall, ending Elliott's day. Elliott rebounded with a phenomenal car in Charlotte at the Coca-Cola 600. A lap and a half from the end, Elliott was leading when the caution came out and crew chief Alan Gustafson called the number nine to pit road. Eight cars, however, stayed out on track. One of those was Brad Keselowski, and he took home the win for Team Penske. Elliott raced his way back up to third place and was credited with a second-place finish after Jimmy Johnson's car failed post-race inspection. Elliott finally visited Victory Lane in the second Charlotte race this past Wednesday. Sunday at Bristol, the number nine was in position for back-to-back wins, but with three laps to go, Elliott tried to pass Joey Logano on the inside for the lead, but the car didn't stick, and Elliott slammed into the side of the number 22 Ford, sending both cars up the track into the outside wall. Logano finished 21st, Elliott 22nd. Guess who was the recipient of all the good fortune? Brad Keselowski. Yeah, just a wild wild day um one of those days that uh you know you look at and you think of as going back and and being a part of bristol lore for a long time to come and i'm glad we were able to win it uh but geez so much beating and banging oh my goodness we've all been cooped up in our houses too long and came to bristol and took out some aggression i guess i I don't know but uh early on in the race everybody was hitting each other and it carried in all the way to the end and uh you know, some people ran me over. I probably ran some people over, and everybody's mad at everybody going into Atlanta next week. But uh, just a, a really eventful day for us. We started up front on the pole, led a bunch of laps, lost the lead, and, and uh, then we made some adjustments to the car and got really good uh, in the second stage. Got to the lead and lost the lead on pit road, and I just could not hit the restarts uh, after that. And I kept falling back all the way to I think eighth or ninth or something like that and um, just started to get really frustrated started to lose the handle on the car the track kept changing and uh, then I was pushing really hard and got a pit road penalty it was just wow I am just digging a hole and with about 40 some to go I think we were running 14th or 15th uh, 48 49 to go I, I don't know somebody's probably got a stat on that and we came in we put left side tires on Came off of pit road uh, in a spot to compete. And uh, I think we came off pit road maybe 12th and just kept cycling forward. They'd drop the green, we'd go five laps, they'd wreck. They'd drop the green and go five laps, they'd wreck. Until next thing I knew, I was restarting fourth. Like, wow, this is perfect. And uh, cleared uh, for third uh, on the the restart there, the last restart. And I watched Joey and uh, Chase going at it. And next thing I knew, they, they were wrecking. And uh, here we found ourselves in Victor Lane. Just really crazy how it all came together. But uh, I'll tell you, I'm super proud to, to be here and, and to get a second win in the season. Um, you know, that's, for me, my fifth year with multiple wins in a row, which is really good and really happy and proud of that, um, you know, and, and trying to put ourselves in a position to, to make a real run in a championship um, Hopefully we can do just that. And I, I feel like we're coming together as a team. You know, this is a new team this year. Same number, same car and all that, but new team. And they're really starting to gel. So I'm very happy for them. 
This week, NASCAR heads to Atlanta Motor Speedway. Atlanta, you may remember, was where the Cup Series was scheduled to race when the red flag was dropped on the season due to COVID-19. The NTT IndyCar Series kicks off their 2020 season this Saturday night at Texas Motor Speedway. The race will be run without fans in the stands. You'll be able to watch the race in primetime on NBC. We'll have the latest on NASCAR, IndyCar, and our local tracks on PittsburghRacingNow.com. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. We appreciate all the support. Thanks for joining us, race fans. Don't forget to stay up to speed on all of the local racing news, as well as the latest in the world of NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and dirt tracks over at PittsburghRacingNow.com. Any use of this podcast without the express written consent of Pittsburgh Racing Now is prohibited. Special thanks to Gary Heeman of Lernerville Speedway, as well as Bill Rybar of the Jennerstown Motorsports Complex for joining us today. I'm Scott Stiller. Stay safe and healthy, and we will talk to you next week.